Firstly, uh, I brought a couple of stones because whoever is without sin can throw the first stone. And I am really conscious. Um, leading, leadership is really difficult. And by the grace of God, I have managed to survive uh, 35-odd years in Christian leadership. But I don't want to throw stones. <laughs> and there is a lot of imperfection and sinfulness within, within me. So there but by the grace of God go I. Um, we put our trust in leaders. And whether that's secular leaders or Christian leaders, whether that's people in, in our workplace, in our nationhood, or in our churches, we put our trust in them. They make decisions on our behalf. And when that goes wrong, it's very, very painful. But also, we are living in a culture of, of blame. And we're living in a culture where sometimes I think we deal with our own awareness of our sinfulness by looking for people who we can say, well, we're not as bad as them. And I think that happens in a culture that doesn't turn to God to confess, but rather a culture that goes, we'll pile in on this person because it makes us feel better to focus on their inadequacy rather than our, our own failings. So there's a really tricky balance here. And I often feel I am not an extremist. I like to think in the middle and carry things in balance. And this is a very difficult tightrope. There are times when I think leaders get piled on. And there are times when I think leaders need to be held to a higher standard. Is that an introduction? That's great. That's absolutely superb. Yeah, I think as a, as a youth worker, as well as a youth worker at this church, and working with particularly the older young people, I feel like this is something that we're talking about on a weekly basis. And I think like what you're just talking about there, like in a world where people are looking for someone, something to follow, it feels like everybody's going, well, you're not good enough, you're not good enough you're not right, you're, do you know what I mean? And we're talking about that on a, and I feel like the world's looking for authenticity and integrity above anything else really at the moment. And yeah, it feels like everyone's just pointing the finger and saying, mm. well, you're not good enough. Mm. So leading into our first question then, do you feel, so we're all called to, you know, live well, live as, as followers of Jesus, live in obedience to God. Should we hold leaders to a higher standard? Should we hold leaders to a higher standard? And I mean, that goes for, I guess, church leaders, but also, you know, secular leaders of society as well and people that are in positions of influence. And, um, yeah, should we hold people like that to a higher standard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest question. Uh, yes, we should. Uh, and Jesus, Jesus says, you know, uh, for everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. From the one who has been entrusted with much more will be asked. And that's a verse that, as a leader, I have to hold. The, 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 yeah, the standards for leadership are higher. Because 
Well, because Jesus says so. But <laughs> he says so because leaders are both making decisions, and those decisions need to be made out of integrity, but also they are, we're role models. So, yeah. So then why are there so many? I mean, like, it, in the last couple of few years, it seems like there has been absolutely, like, every single week there's a new story. Like, and, you know, it'd be good to say that it's just in the secular you know, in secular society, but it's not. It's, it's in churches all over the place. It's that there are scandals. There are people that have been, you know, we've used the word cancel here. I know we don't want to focus too much on the word sort of cancel culture, but there's lots of leaders that have been told you can't carry on in your line of work. You can't do this anymore. What, why are there so, do you think there are so many scandals or have been more recently? Uh, well, I think we need to come back to the word cancel. Let's, but that's a different issue. We'll come back to that. But let's talk about scandal. Actually, I would say that as long as I've been in Christian leadership, there are scandals, unfortunately. It's just gone on my... And there are people I've known uh, who, are, who have got themselves into all kinds of messes. So I, I don't know that it's particularly worse... I think it's always gone on. And I, and I would, and I, and I, 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 I tried down a number of reasons why that is. And they're different reasons, and they're different. So, so here, I've got, I've got five at the moment. They may go to more, but five different things I think occur. So the first thing is about, and I, I'm going to try and explain this. I don't know whether it's easy to explain. When you're in Christian leadership, people project onto you respect that you don't deserve. And that inflates the ego. And it's very easy to go with it. I'll give you a classic example. Yesterday, we had the, the Hong Kong uh, occasion. And, and lots of cultures revere the pastor. Now, we joke about the fact that I don't get revered here. And there's constant mockery, which is really, really healthy and good. Yesterday... Uh, I, I'm not the greatest mingler. I'm not the greatest person at being polite. You know, I'm shy. I'm introverted. So a way for me to deal with a situation is to do something practical. Every time I went to put a plate away, pick up a chair and stack it, gang of people, no pastor. Let us do that. And there are lots of people, times when you believe the hype. Mm-hmm. And there are times when, when people project onto Christian leaders, oh, you're so godly, and, and, and you can believe it, mm-hmm. and you get slightly more self-important, and you think, you know what, I shouldn't be washing up. Mm-hmm. And these people should do what I say. Mm-hmm. And it damages the soul. Mm-hmm. Get, and flattery is really, really damaging. I'm very, very grateful, really grateful for encouragement. But don't ever flatter me because it's not good for me. And flattery is when we tell people things that aren't really true, but we want them to know how much we think they're great. And I think a lot of Christians, especially when you get onto the big platforms and you get a social media presence, and people begin to think, well, you're so wise and you're so clever. 
And what you need is three sons to keep your feet on the ground. <laughs> but what you need is, is to just go, this is hot air. And I've seen so many friends damaged mm. by that. So that. And then you get into trouble mm. because you try, you live a kind of fake life where you're playing a game, where you're trying, you're, you're being whatever everybody thinks you are, but you know that's not what you mm. are. So that's a big thing. I think a second big thing is that people often want leadership and they want that, and they want to be popular, they want ego, and I've always felt that the best leaders are the people who don't want to be leaders. Now, I understand that that's a pretty tricky position to be as a politician, because by very definition, you're trying to get people to vote for you, but it damages the soul, because you want people to like you, and that leads into all kinds of unhealthy spiritual things that then lead into boundaries being mm. reduced, boundaries whether it's to do with finances or whether it's to do uh, with sex and uh, compromises and you begin to believe, well, I'm, I'm worth it, I deserve this. Mm. And so that's another big thing. Third big thing is there is immense pressure and anxiety that goes with leadership. Because everybody's got a view, but sometimes it's great with hindsight, but in the moment of things. And, and, and linked to the pressure is adrenaline. And when you do things like Sundays, you, you're, you're doing it all on adrenaline. And adrenaline stops you sleeping. And so you struggled Sunday night. You struggle the night after a big talk at whatever conference it is because you've gone on adrenaline and then you can't sleep. Or you're anxious and you can't sleep. And that's when people get tempted. And they get into, whether it's gambling or sex stuff or money stuff, whatever it is, you get into things to try and get your mind off difficulty, the, the, the pressures, the responsibilities, the problems, uh, or, or you just want to try and, I mean, um, you know, if you, if you speak, and I'll do it tonight, I will go through everything I said, why did I say that, why didn't I say this? So how do you stop the, that, that going over again and people turn to stuff where it's alcohol, drugs, and, and, and pushing in secular, you know, that's why those kind of addictions are really high when you have a, an adrenaline profession, mm. that makes sense, or a stress profession, because you, you people try to sleep. Can I just so ask I can, a question on that? Sorry, sorry yeah, go on. to interrupt. I was going to say, do you think it's the adrenaline thing? Do you think that is um, worse, or it has more impact on you if you're introverted? So do you think if you're an extrovert, then you kind of get your energy off being buzzing around people and having the small talk at the end and kind of all of that sort of stuff. But then as an introvert, when you kind of finish it all and it's all done and you kind of think, oh, I can relax, do you think that that's harder or I don't know? I'm just trying to think. I think I, you need to ask your wife. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can relax. You and I are introverts. Yeah. And you are married to an extrovert. All right, I'll ask Deb. But 
Yeah, just because I can relate, because I, I really struggle to sleep after anything. So, like, if I'm at BB or I'm at a small group, if I've done it all evening and then I finish, I then really struggle to sleep. So, like, I'm, I'm just buzzed. Like, I'm just, like, wired. And I don't know why that is. Um, so, I just, yeah, I just wonder if it's worse if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Do you release energy when you're... I, I, don't, know, I don't know what it's like for an extrovert. It's pretty know. tough for an introvert. Yeah. I think it's pretty tough, too, which is why I don't do it. But if you're out in a hotel room... Yeah, because it's not like only introverted leaders have scandals, because there's lots no. of extra, massive extroverts. No, I think, I think the danger worse. of extroverts... It, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the danger is for an extrovert, because mm. I can't relate to it. <laughs> any psychologist can text in. I, I do think... Yeah, I do think the hotel room is where a lot of these scandals happen, because you're coming, trying to come down off something. Um, oh, sorry, oh, well, I've got a couple more. Mm. Well, a link to this is probably what we said is unrealistic expectations mm. from the church or from the community. So people expect perfection. So what happens is that you constantly feel imperfect. Mm. You constantly feel not good enough. And how do you deal with that? So when, you, when people feel constantly not good enough and along comes somebody who makes you feel good... Mm. People get into, uh, into having affairs and stuff because they perhaps live with a climate of criticism. Mm. And so you are, you're looking for any affirmation from any place you can get. So that's another reason why you get scandals. Mm. And the last, which maybe covers the whole thing, is that I think that Satan spiritually attacks leaders. Mm. And I, am, so I know there's a number of you guys that pray for us as leaders all the time. And that's so crucial. Because it is a it is a spiritual thing. That's great. Okay, then, so moving on, we've had some questions, but they are um, probably for a little bit later on down the uh, down the running order. So we'll leave those just for a sec. What if the leader is going to sort of make a mistake and get involved in a scandal and do something they shouldn't have done? At what point? What what mistakes should leaders be able to make essentially? And what mistakes do we kind of go, okay, no, that's too far now? Because it feels like in today's day and age, it's, it's not just one thing, it's all sorts of things, mm. isn't it? Mm. There's all sorts of things going on. Um, and some of them, I think, because of our nosiness as a society, we're more interested in certain types of scandals than we are others, if, it's, if that's fair to say, reading on the news and things like that. Um, so what... what what mistakes do you think a leader should be able to make and what should disqualify them from being a leader? I think, well, let's, let's, say, let's talk about the things we should be able to mistake and make. I think we should be able to hold different views and disagree. And I, a few weeks ago, I talked about the difference between opinion and fact. And when we talk about the truth, we, we get confused about whether we mean an opinion is true or whether we mean facts are true. We may believe our opinions are truth, but they're opinions so we don't actually know if they're true mm. until we meet Jesus. Mm. So we do need to hold lightly opinions. And when we disagree with leaders, I think we need to hold that lightly. When leaders make, have, a, have wrong opinions and later change their mind, we should hold that gently. So I think it's that we should be able to allow leaders to grow, mm. And, make, and learn, um, and to learn from hindsight. Mm. 
So I think when we're going to cancel culture, we're getting, we're getting to the ground where people are not allowed to hold a different view to us. And I think that's, that's not always healthy. It's not healthy. I think we should be able to allow people to disagree. We disagree agreeably. We need to be able to disagree. How do we do that? Because I, I think that's really tricky, isn't it? To not get frustrated or out. You know, how, how do you disagree without causing hurt? How do you have a discussion with somebody and have a... Because I think this is one of the things that we probably just don't do very well in society, isn't it? We, don't, we can't talk to people who hold different views to us very well necessarily all the time. How do you do that without... Yeah, well, um, I think we've, we've talked about this before in Questions of Life, so we've probably got some back catalogue to look at and to go into that in more depth. But I, I, think, I think it's a basic humility is really important. To be able to say, you know what? I may not know the answer to everything. Therefore, it's important for me to try and understand another point of view rather than shut it down. Mm. And I think when we go into dialogue trying to say, I need to get to the grips with why you think that, mm. because at the moment I don't. At the moment I don't. And I want to understand why you do. Mm. And I think one of the problems with a cancel culture is we go, this is a thing we disagree with, therefore every single thing about your entire life I'm going to disagree with. Mm. And we don't want to hear anything about you. Mm. And I just don't think that is what love is about. That, that, that you and I will disagree about things and agree about things, mm. and that's, that's normal. And, and I think that's important to be able to do that w with leaders and... Uh, so, so I think we need to allow, we need to allow leaders to, to hold a different view to us, and maybe mm -hmm. they have got the wrong view. I am, yeah. the, I've you know, talked about over the years, there are, I did it in a, live, uh, in a video over COVID, which caused mm -hmm. so much furore. I said, I can think of 25 things I've changed my mind on since I've been in Christian leadership. Mm. And there's so many people want to know what the 25 things are, which I, they're probably about <laughs> 30 now. Mm. Uh, and I haven't told everybody 25 things, but I actually think that's the mark of growth. And yet, the, the, I think many people don't want leaders to grow. Mm. They want us to, to be right and stay right and never to be go, you know what, well, I've looked at that and what I said 10 years ago was wrong on. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's unhealthy. So I think we need to be able to, to, need to, be able to make mistakes. We need to be able to make unintentional mistakes. Mm. I am acutely aware of people who I have hurt emotionally, unintentionally. Mm. People have left this church because I didn't realize, I didn't realize there was a need or I said something unwisely mm. or I even said something in frustration. And there will be no leaders of churches if, if you demand of me absolute perfection mm. and I have made mistakes and I've hurt people but it was unintentional and I think that's the key thing I don't think we can allow intentional hurt mm. revenge anger but unintentionally I've said a lot of stupid things to a lot of people and hurt people and I think that we need leaders who are able to say I'm sorry I got that wrong and we need to be able to forgive leaders who say, I'm sorry I got that wrong. And not 
say, well, you've got that wrong, you're out. Mm. Uh, I think that we need to be able, and this is a big one with some of the things that have gone on, we shouldn't blame leaders for handling incredibly difficult situations badly because there but the, by the grace of God go I. Mm. And there are so many decisions that you have to make quickly. And you can, well, if I do this, this could happen. If I do that, it could happen. So you do this, and hindsight shows that it was a disaster. Mm. And I think sometimes we need to allow people to go, you know, with hindsight, they made the wrong call. Mm. They made the wrong, they handled that the wrong way. So those are the things I would say we need to, to not disqualify. I think there are, therefore, some things that we do need to disqualify. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, yeah, do you want right. to come back on that before I go on to that? Uh, no, I've got some else afterwards, that's great. Uh, so okay. I was going to just pick up this verse, well, passage really, in Timothy, which says, the overseer must be above reproach. And that's a high standard. It means that there shouldn't be stuff in our life where we go, well, we know they're always getting that wrong. Uh, and the big ones for me, obviously, illegality, breaking the law, doing something that's illegal. We cannot have that in leadership. I think behaviours that hurt intentionally other people, hurt our children, hurt our partners, I think lying um, is, uh, I, I think you can't have leaders that lie. Um, I think you can't have leaders that don't repent, that can't say, uh, the leaders that have, uh, I, was <laughs> I, I, I was talking with a couple of, so I mentor of a, ministers and we were talking about um, something and somebody said this to me I was on a podcast I heard it and we were discussing this as a two somebody said to me reasons why never to, to, to join a church and one of them was when the leader of the church says touch not the Lord's anointed don't go to a church like that if I ever say you have no grounds to criticise me touch not the Lord's anointed don't come again then you've got to Move on, go somewhere else. We need to have leaders who go, you know what, I might have got that wrong. So let me just fly through this because it, it, it then spells it out, uh, yep. uh, some of the things. Now, they obviously must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife. Now, Christians will take this different points of view as to whether the husband is the key word, but what I want to point on here is the word one. So that's about faithfulness. It's not, so, so it's about not committing adultery or bigamy. Uh, then it says temperate and self-controlled. There's a higher standard for leaders. Leaders cannot be people who fly off the handle, in my view. Now, I am lack self-control on occasions, but I, I, I'm not perfect, and I say things out of frustration. Uh, and probably one of the worst things I do is inappropriate jokes in staff meetings. Uh, but there is a measure of self-control. I certainly don't, I'm temperate, I don't fly off the handle, I would hope. I would hope. Um, 
they need to be respectable. Now, what, 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 what does that mean, respectable? It means to carry, it's the same idea as reproach, to carry respect in the community. If a leader is someone where everybody's going, well, we just don't trust what they say, we don't believe in them, there's no authenticity, mm-hmm. then we can't be leaders. We need to be hospitable, we need to be people who welcome. Mm-hmm. Someone who's saying, you, you're not welcome here because you're this, that, or the next thing, is can't be in leadership. Able to teach, able to explain what it is we believe. That's not necessarily a public speaking gift, but it is an ability to explain on a one-to-one, mm-hmm. this is what we believe. Not given to drunkenness. And that is important because so much of our culture is using alcohol to relax. And we have to find a way, going back to this thing about the hotels or whatever, we have to find a way of getting rid of the adrenaline mm. that's godly. Uh, not violent, but gentle. Crucial. Absolutely crucial. Uh, not quarrelsome. Really, really important. Not a lover of money. The way we handle money is crucial. Not offshore bank accounts, not gambling, whatever it is. He must manage his own family well. What, this is a tricky one. None of us are perfect parents. Um, and there are times when my, pet, my children haven't uh, done what I wanted, and there are times uh, when they haven't necessarily been following Jesus as much as I would like them to. But I hope that the church would feel, in the main, my family listened to me and had a measure of of respect. Not perfect, but if you cannot gain any respect from your children, as this says, well, how can the church respect you? we could get my boys up here to discuss this with you. Uh, and we're not perfect. There's no such thing as perfect parents. And, 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 and you're a parent. And, you, you know, you can have moments in all three of Tesco's when you think, I need to be sacked by the church because this toddler <laughs> on the floor screaming their heads off. But over the course of, of the childhood, hmm. and there is a difference between a child, a teenager, and an adult. Hmm. And as adults, my kids make their own choices. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and lastly, must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited. Mm. I find that fascinating. And leadership requires patience. And people go, I don't yet know it all. I'm going to wait. Mm. Um, uh, so a good reputation with outsiders. So those are the things I think are crucial. Great. I should ask, it just pops into my head while you're going through that. Where do you think... So accountability and then also confession mm. as well come into this because I think you talked about mentoring younger um, leaders and, and church leaders. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other week about how the Catholic Church practices confession. This person was talking about how they didn't necessarily agree with that. And I kind of came back at that and was sort of like, well, as the evangelical church, I don't think we really practice confession very well at all, really. Mm. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And that kind of, somebody said to me years ago, 
that the devil chips away in the secret places in your life and the things that you haven't spoken out to people because, you know, you're not good enough, you're always going to be like this, those types of things. And when you start speaking to somebody about those things or confess it or have that accountability relationship with somebody, then it starts getting, you know, it might not get sorted out straight away, but that's the kind of beginning of it being sorted out. I just wonder where that kind of comes into this stuff because I imagine a lot of us will read that list and be like, whew, there's some difficult things on there. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we make mistakes. So I suppose where's accountability and confession? And then when do you give somebody, you know, if we mess up in these ways, when somebody get a second chance? I suppose that's the second. Where do you kind of go, yeah, okay, you're mucked up, and, but you can go again? Um, well, yeah, that's a really good question. Let's, Sorry, let's come yeah, to, that's yeah, we'll, one, we'll do that. But the, the, the accountability is absolutely crucial. We need people in our lives who we're honest with and who we give permission to ask us the difficult questions. Mm. And I have a friend that I walk with once a year outside the church, and I consider that some of those on leadership or elders and staff have that mm -hmm. with me. I'm not a big fan of complete confession in front of the church because mm. um, I've seen ministers, leaders, who actually just becomes a game of, mm. this is a way of getting sympathy, so I'll tell mm. you how bad I am. And so... I don't expect, I don't think you, but I, I don't think it's accountable to everybody. No, it has yeah. to be accountable to a small group. Mm -hmm. So I think that is really important. In terms of second chances, I think you give second chances where you think there is growth and the opportunity to resist that temptation if it comes again. Mm. And there are some things that are so difficult to resist the second time that you'd, I would say, you need to step back from leadership mm. because that is going to trouble you again and again and again. Mm. Stuff to do with sex, stuff to do with money, it's going to be a temptation. Probably stuff to do with losing your temper. Mm. I would say it's going, to be a, it's going to be a temptation, so we need to take you out of leadership because that is going to come again. Mm. But other stuff where people go, oh, you know, I really got that wrong. I have been quarrelsome. I definitely... Well, I've been all of, broken all of those. Mm. But it's about self-awareness, about saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I've got that wrong. And I think those who hold you to account, I think it's really important that leadership is team, that the elders are, I'm under the authority of the elders and they need to, and do hold me to account. And mm. colleagues, team leaders, hold me to account and can say, you're out of order the way you've handled that or whatever. And, and, and you submit to it. The moment you're above reproach is, is dangerous. Mm. Can we go through a couple of the yeah, questions yeah. on here? So I'm just going to read out, somebody mentioned something about the extrovert thing, which I thought was just quite interesting. Extroverts would keep trying to seek the buzz with what we were talking about before, I think, maybe chasing it, which is, I think is a valid point potentially, I don't know. All different, aren't we? Yeah, um, so if you're an extrovert, you're more prone to want to be on the platform. Yeah, to get that buzz, which I mean, it's got, yeah. I guess. Yeah, if, if you talked about it with people wanting leadership and wanting to be up the front and all those types of things. Um, there's a question here which I think links to um, something that we're going to talk about in a sec as well. How can we respect and trust leaders when they say one thing and don't follow through or do the opposite? So. We've had a lot of scandals 
in the leadership of our country, for example. I know we're not going to talk about specific situations, but it's seemingly, you know, people saying, yes, we're going to do this, and then, you know, we find out six months later that isn't actually what happened at all. Um, is it right to trust those people? Is it, is it wrong to, to trust those people? I think I want to take a balanced view. I think, on the one hand, I think we've got to be absolutely sure that our facts are right and that what we have read in the news or social media or what we have been told is absolutely true. Because there are, are so many rumours and exaggerations and interpretations of things that are not true. And we need to be absolutely careful that we do not judge someone. So that's where my stones come in. Mm. I may hear that a leader has done this, but I don't trust the media, I don't trust the news, I don't trust gossip. <laughs> so it needs to be, re so first on the one hand I would say we've got to be absolutely certain. On the other hand, it is pretty clear that Jesus has an issue with hypocrisy. If it is proven a person is saying one thing and doing another. I think that debars, disqualifies you from leadership mm. because I think Jesus says that of the Pharisees. Mm. And I think as long as we're absolutely certain of the facts, if a person is a hypocrite, mm. I think it's, it's game over. Yeah, I was out with some friends probably about six months ago or so. And um, one of my mates, uh, a mate that I've had since being at school, just said, you know, what sort of value would you look for? He said it to the group, there's about 10 of us there. He said, what sort of value would you look for in a government kind of, you know, in a leader of our country? And without, you know, a second's thought, two or three of them just went integrity. Yeah. Straight away. And that amazed me. I was like, whoa, do you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, but yeah, it's exactly it, isn't it? It's like it's integrity. It's, you don't say one thing and do, do the other. Absolutely. Some more questions then, if that's all right, off here. Um, I, I, there are times when I have let myself down in not being as strong in acting out what I believe as I would want to be. Mm. And I would hold my hands up and say, yeah, I got that wrong. I think that's where it comes back to what's repented of and what's acknowledged, because uh, integrity, I think integrity is the key. Mm. And, and it's, it's also, it's about covering it. If you cover up lack of integrity, that's, that is really, really bad. Mm. If you go, you're right, you know what? I, I acted in badly in that situation, that's better. So one of the questions that I wrote down here was, does cancel culture oppose biblical values? We've had a question that's come in what, why do you think cancel culture has become a big thing now? Why do you think that, I suppose, cancel culture... So by cancel thing? culture, we mean that we're not going to allow people to say something. Is that what I we mean? I think so. So I guess it's kind of like on a public kind of... In society now, we have lots of high-profile figures, people with, um, you know, influence, who will share a, a view or will say something or be involved in a scandal or whatever it is and they are effectively removed from their position, removed from their sphere of influence. And well, in some cases they are, in some cases they're not, because I can think of 
people who have just sort of, you know, a lot of people, you know, will know of people that have just kind of ploughed on through and carried on. But there's this idea that people are removed from their sphere of influence. Nobody listens to them anymore. Nobody wants to... In society, they're kind of viewed as you don't go anywhere near that now. Anywhere near that person, anywhere near those views. I, I think part of it goes back to what I was saying earlier about we deal with our own awareness of sinfulness by finding people who are far worse than us and we can cancel them and they've got these horrendous views. So there's an element of that. Mm. It's just displacing uh, self... We're stronger in hating somebody else because actually we mm. think we're trying to make ourselves feel better. So there's a part of it of that. There's a part of it that is fear mm. and that we're just frightened of hearing something. But there's a part of it that's, that's helpful. So... Um, I would protect this platform. So a few years ago, uh, we used to have a um, uh, meet the candidates for the general election. What's the word? Hustings. We used to have it in the church. And uh, we had a British National Party candidate. And I refused to allow them in this building to speak those views. And the result of that is that the hustings couldn't happen because... Um, the other politicians refused to have a hustings without that person. So fine, that's why it went to the town hall, because I wouldn't allow that to be said in our church. Now, mm. I might have been wrong. Uh, am I cancelling? I don't want to give a megaphone, and I don't want to use this place as a megaphone for things that I think are ungodly and unbiblical mm. and downright evil. I don't think, I think that we shouldn't allow things that are untrue to be said unchallenged. Mm. And there are there's a time and a place for saying that's not going to be said here. Uh, so I've cancelled here. <laughs> and I, 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 we wouldn't have people to speak. We're very careful about mm. what we have on the, on the platform. Yeah. Because I feel that there are vulnerable folks among us and we're trying to represent who we are as a church. I would encourage some of you, some of you ask me, what podcasts do I listen to? Mm. I listen to podcasts of people I fundamentally disagree with. And I pick and choose who I tell what podcasts I listen to. Mm. Because I think some of us are weaker. And you wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to listen to those podcasts because yeah. you might think they're absolutely right. Mm. I find it important for me to hear views I don't agree with. Mm. So I have listened to National Party stuff. Mm. I listen to views that I really fundamentally don't agree with because it's important for me to understand that. Mm. But I wouldn't encourage some of you. Mm. And so some of you, I don't tell you all the podcasts that I listen to. I subscribe to about 85 at the moment. Uh, so, I w there's a bill. Do I believe in cancel culture? I believe that things that aren't true shouldn't be said in vulnerable places mm. to people who could be influenced by things that aren't true. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'm also aware that as a Christian, we will be cancelled at times, and that the world is intolerant of intolerance. Um, 
So it cuts both ways. It's just, yeah, I don't know the answer. It's tricky. I always think, we talked a little bit when we were talking earlier in the week about this kind of vicious, there's like a bit of a vicious cycle going on as well, I think, because the media, obviously, particularly in society and, you know, with big public figures or whatever, there's a sense in which the media want us to read stuff and want hits on their things and all of that, and we are noses a society and we want to read stuff, don't we? So I think it's just out there more as well. Like, we're going to see and read a lot more of what other people are reading. I don't know whether, like, if anybody reads BBC, the little, like, top red things, like the top ten most read thing, and whether anybody comes across that. It's like, for me, I see that and I'll read what's on the top ten, but it's only in the top ten because that's what everyone else is reading and that's what everyone else is nosy about. Do you know what I mean? So it kind of becomes, like, a bigger thing because yeah. it just becomes, we want to read it, the media want us to read it, and then it kind of gets into this. Mm that we're all reading the same sort of stories and the same type of things as well. I think that's partly got something to do with it. I've just got two things I want to ask you to finish. Is that right? I think they're both really important. So I know we said we didn't want to talk about specific situations, but um, there have been a, there's been recent situations that have you know, been quite impactful, particularly for myself. I've had a lot of conversations in our youth about particular situations that have occurred. What um, do you do? How can we avoid being sort of disillusioned in our faith? if somebody that we respected and looked up to has been involved in a scandal and they're somebody that we respected for years and then all of a sudden they're involved in a situation that's wrong and, you know, they get removed from their position of leadership. Um, uh, it's really... I've had that a number of times. Mm. I... Very heavily influenced and deeply respectful of a, a big American Christian leader who has fallen into scandal, hmm. which just rocked me. It just rocked me. How do we handle that? I think it doesn't invalidate the things that they did and said before Satan got hold of it. Hmm. And there are... So the Bible talks about wolves in sheep's clothing. There are leaders who I think never were of God and were always just fake. Mm. And, we're, and they're often the leaders that tell you exactly what you want to hear. Mm. And then you discover it becomes clear that they were fake. Mm. That's one thing. But there are other leaders who were really used by God and then because of some of the things we talked about, temptations overwhelmed them. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's devastating. But I would want to say it doesn't invalidate who they are and mm. what they did. It does mean, bear that in mind, You know, I uh, subscribe to a particular cartoonist, mm. which has all gone horrifically wrong because of what they've said. Uh, and I, I won't use their cartoons mm. in church anymore. Um, it's, it's really painful. Mm. But ultimately, I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus. And... I, we cannot put a trust in human beings. And it goes back to what we're saying about this thing about people project onto people like me. And, and it, you feel kind of 
it kind of flatters the ego. People spiritually, please don't trust me. Please don't follow Jesus because of me. Follow Jesus because of Jesus. And, and that is the only solution. We, we have to go, is Jesus worthy of giving my whole life? Mm. If he is, I'm going to give him my whole life. Mm. Not, is that leader so cool that I want to do what they mm. say? And it's been my lifelong ambition to not be cool, and I've done pretty well at it. <laughs> Just don't follow Jesus because of people. Mm. But we all do. I mean, I've done it. I, um, when I was a young Christian, I, I and, uh, heard this guy speak a number of times. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I was devastated when it mm. went wrong. Um, so don't, you know, it's... It's horrible, mm. or it is really horrible. But let's follow Jesus. Last thing, I think it's just be important just to hear what you feel about about this. Being being a leader, somebody's written here. Being a leader is hard on the shoulders when you feel sorrow and pain. You know, go through difficult things. How do you manage to keep a brave face? Uh, how do I how do I manage to keep a brave face? I think so, yeah. Uh, loud rock music. <laughs> Football, or, or sport, but fundamentally football. Long walks. Mm. And behind closed door with the staff team laughing about it. Mm. There's a gallows humour in our staff <laughs> meetings, isn't there? Mm. You, sometimes you've got to find a way of laughing about it. Mm. And having people you can talk about it with. Mm. and just offload it. Um, family. I mean, my family's been incredible. Mm. Offload, support, back, backing me. Mm. Um, those are my, yeah, so far, I'm not going to throw a stone so far. Um, and, 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 you know, we talked about this over the years. I wanted to be a lamppost, not a firework. And I remember in early days hearing Christian leaders saying, you know, I want to burn out for God. And I, as we talked about this before. I was mentored by a guy who was in his 70s and 80s when I was in my 20s. And he said, you want to be like me? You want to get to 70 and 80 and not let anybody down. And that's still my ambition. And I don't want to burn out. And so I disappear every few weeks and go for a long walk, not see people. And I don't do big things and go to hotels and don't do it. Great. Well, I think we'll leave it there. That's brilliant. Shall I pray? Yeah, that'd be great. Take us on. Brilliant. Father, we just commit to you those leaders in our minds who we're aware of, who have failed in one way or another. Will you draw close to them? Will you help them? Will you guide them? Pray that you'd help us to be wise in discerning leaders, to choose good leaders 
and to treat them wisely, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to say one other thing just quickly on that. Sorry, just came in the prayer. If leadership is our identity, then we're, we're in real trouble. Um, and over the years, one of the wonderful things about this church is that we've been able to support and restore leaders who have made big mistakes, who come among us and just be part of the church. And one of the things is that we may fail and not be equipped for leadership. That doesn't mean we're not equipped to be a disciple. It doesn't mean we can't go on and be used by God in other and different ways. And I have seen people be in this church who've come out of leadership in other churches because of mistakes. And okay, they're not going to be leaders, but they've gone on to be incredible disciples. And God is the God who rebuilds and reuses. And the thing is, it's not about being what we were before. It's allowing God to meld something new in us that's different.